This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. You're hearing right there what I heard last night. I took that video. I could hear them once again from my window. I, sw- I, I don't even have to look on the Twitter or the Facebook to find out where the crazy protests are, or actually now the Snapchat, because that's where the cool kids are. I don't even want, I, I can't handle the Snapchat. It's, it's just another thing to add. I've already got the Instagram, and I've got the Facebook, and I got the Twitter, and I'm supposed to have the Snapchat, and then I, I'm going to have to have the, the WeChat and the WhatsApp, and the I can't keep up with all this stuff. Anyway, all I have to do is try to make myself a hamburger in my tiny kitchen area and just hang out. And eventually I'll hear a protest going on because I happen to live in like protest alley, it seems, in New York City. They always they don't necessarily congregate where I live, but they always go past where I live. I find it. Highly annoying, but it's useful for our purposes because I get firsthand experience of these different protest movements and just what a bunch of infantile imbeciles they really are. This was helpful also when I would go over to CNN and talk about Black Lives Matter and they would say, it's about ending police brutality. It's like, no, actually, I've been to several of your uh, so-called Black Lives Matter protests and they talk a lot about hunting and murdering black men, police hunting and murdering black men and not being punished for it. And how this is a nationwide, uh, not just a scandal, but a plague. It's widespread. It's growing. It's a lie. It was a lie. And I heard the lies firsthand and also could then uh, draw a straight line between telling people that young black men are being hunted and killed and the violence we saw, the horrific violence, including in Dallas and elsewhere, against police officers by those who took the protesters at their word and took this government, the Obama administration, at its word when it would give credence to the movement, when it would support it publicly, when it would say things that made it seem like their grievances were not inflated, really hyperinflated, but were legitimate. 
So I heard the protests last night. I was at the protest last night. I didn't really want to be, but it was just right near me. And I said, all right, I'll go out there. Thousands and thousands of people in the streets protesting an election. What does that mean, by the way? What does protesting an election mean? What does hey, hey, ho, 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 Donald Trump has got to go? Go where? Into the White House? He won the election. There's no question about this. This is not this is not up for discussion or debate. He won. And yet. People chanting, first of all, the profanity was endless. I would be uh, so ashamed to march down the street in New York City screaming at the top of my lungs. And I, I could have gotten these videos, but I didn't want to have to bleep it out. And, you know, but, you know, F Trump and the P word. Uh, uh, grabs back F Trump, F Trump, F that wall, F Trump. I mean, there are children in the street. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be one of these pearl clutchers because the left is, oh, what am I going to tell my children? Donald Trump won. But I don't have kids, but if I was walking down the street with my five-year-old and thousands of people were all in unison chanting F Trump, F Trump, I, I would actually, I would take uh, umbrage at that. I, I would find that problematic. You know, I'm somebody who occasionally, because in my private life I do have a fondness for some salty language. I don't, I don't overdo it, but I, you know, I let it fly sometimes, just so you know. Uh, but if I ever do say anything that is of the profane, uh, something that would cross over into into the bleepable, and there is a, a, a young a youngin within earshot, I'm I'm horrifically embarrassed and have to sort of stop myself from going and apologizing to the parents, even. If I really don't think that anyone heard anything, right? But I, I understand that there's a there's a boundary, there's a line. I mean, to be marching down the street screaming profanity, I'm not even getting into the uh, childishness and stupidity and self indulgent nature of this protest for for a whole bunch of reasons. We will do that in a second. But I'm just first looking at it from a very basic level. It's just it's just disrespectful. And I don't even just mean of Trump. It's disrespectful of the people of all the cities across the country. It wasn't just New York, by the way. Oh, it was in Oakland. And, of course, in Oakland, they always got to go wild. So in Oakland, there were uh, there was tear gas deployed and people were lighting things on fire. And always amazing that these protests, I see the same signs that I've seen at other protests, at Black Lives Matter protests, at Occupy Wall Street protests. They, they're printed out. They're not homemade signs. And they talk about socialism a lot of the time and they talk about revolution what is this stuff where does it come from i looked at the demographic and this is sort of anecdotal but i looked at the thousands of marchers last night uh, and i can tell you that about 70 percent of them from what i could see would be white millennials male and female that was my uh, that was my impression, and I sat there for a while watching as they marched down the street. So you got a bunch of twenty somethings and early thirty somethings or mid thirty somethings because you know mid thirties you're still technically a millennial, maybe a gray beard or a red beard as some of us have, uh, and they're walking down the street and they're yelling all this stuff, and I I wanted to I wanted to, well, engaging them would be a waste of time because they're not they're not even engaging with their own arguments. This is just. All for show. This is virtue signaling with a placard in hand. It's look at how great I am. The amount of whining 
and crying and bitterness and babyishness from the left. And I don't just mean from college kids. I mean from the front page of the New York Times. I mean from TV journalists who are among the most overpaid and coddled class of human beings on the planet. Oh, it's so scary. Look, I was going to try to be as magnanimous as possible as a Republican who was just so happy to see Hillary lose and is now completely, uh, you know, hopeful and positively disposed towards. And I want to see Trump do well. I do. I want to see Trump keep his promises. I want to see the Republican Party, which is in a tremendously powerful position, starting with the uh, 2017 political calendar. I want to see them do well, because this is it right after this. We can't. We got the House, we got the Senate, we got the presidency, we've got um, more state houses, more governorships, more. I mean, you add this up. I mean, this the Republican Party is going to be in its strongest position in, in my lifetime for sure. And I don't even know what the number is. I've heard people say, depending on, on which on how you gauge it, really close to like 100 years. I mean, this is this is monumental stuff. They better get it done. They better get it done right. But I was trying very hard not to be snide or smug i was trying not to be condescending and and rude towards the because i i know that there was there was real disappointment and there are people of many people and look we're talking about what is it 60 million of our fellow americans voted for hillary clinton there are many people of goodwill on that side even some of my fellow republicans uh, voted for hillary clinton which i still i'm going to need them to explain that to me one day we're having a sort of quiet moment and i have a glass of scotch in hand but there's no reason to there's no no reason to rub anyone's face in the dirt. We don't do that. But now they're asking for it. This is I, I was willing to be, and I know you were too. We were willing to be magnanimous about this whole thing, and say, look, we're hoping that Donald Trump. We're, we don't we don't do what you do on the left, which is create these figures who are beyond reproach, and in whom we put all of our hopes and dreams. No. Donald Trump won. What he accomplished is 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 amazing. It is astonishing. And we that's just an objective statement of the facts. Uh, he defeated the Clinton machine for which people who are conservative, limited government constitutionalists should be very happy. I'm not saying you have to celebrate Trump, but you got to celebrate Hillary's loss unless you want the Supreme Court to be leftist for the next you know three or four decades and Hillary to even with executive orders, if, if we had maintained the Senate to push forward an agenda. Look, she can veto anything. Right. So status quo with Hillary as president, even with the Republican House and Senate, we've had that. You feel good about that? A lot, a lot of good things happen. No, of course not. Good things have not been happening as a result of that because of the veto power. But what we've, we've really seen happening here uh, beyond the the sort of mad babyish conduct of the left. And and as I said, even the front page of the New York Times, it was Democrats, like students and international allies are all sad about Hillary's loss. This is the front page. I mean, the mask has been off with the media for a long time, but now they're turning around and, and mooning us. I mean, now it is just deplorable yeah i'll take that word back it is in our face it's yeah that's right we were total hillary partisans and now we're going to cry about it we're not even going to try to hide it we're a bunch 
of angry little tantrum throwing uh, tantrum throwing children. This is a most prestigious media outlets, newspapers, talking heads in the country. Like a bunch of darn babies. No dignity at all. No, uh, no. Okay, fair play. Trump won. No, nothing. Uh, we're gonna have some. Uh, we're gonna have some fun with it this hour. I wasn't going to mock the left when Trump won because I understand that there are people, many, many of them, and I, you know, we're gonna be focusing on the craziest bunch now. Although, when we're talking front page of the New York Times, this is this is mainstream stuff. This is not what the left did to the Republican Party this whole election, which was pretend like. Uh, some alt-right Twitter accounts and some obscure neo-Nazi websites were somehow representative of the Republican Party. I mean, they defamed us. They were an abject disgrace. They completely and utterly uh, cast off any pretensions of fairness or objectivity. And it was just a constant game of slander, not just against, against Trump, but against all of us, right? Republicans voted for Trump. So we're all supposed to be all Republicans. And whether you vote for Trump or not, just because you're part of his party or you're a conservative or you didn't vote for Hillary. How about that? If you didn't vote for Hillary, they think you're a bigot. You're a racist. You're terrible. You're terrible. I was willing to say, all right, we'll move forward. We won. Winning is what matters. We won. Let's let them have their their safe spaces and their sit-ins and their cry-ins and all that stuff. But as long as they show some basic decency and respect, we won't sit around and mock the left. Well, it lasted less than 24 hours. I can't even walk out my door and go get groceries, uh, go get the chives, which I will slice very finely and put in my eggs in the morning. Very frou-frou, very bourgeois of me. Uh, I can't do that without seeing a bunch of maniacs Screaming profanity, saying, not my president, and my favorite, the people united will never be defeated. Actually, dudes, you were defeated. Or maybe a better way to think of it is, the people were united, and they defeated you. Deal with it. We'll have some fun. We'll talk more about this, because there's, there's many layers here. Many layers. I, I, there was a part of me that thought maybe the left would try to regain some dignity now after they just... Remember, I was saying for the whole time, they were debasing themselves for Hillary. I mean, they were they were Shawshank in the underground tunnel going through all the urine and poop debasing themselves for Hillary. And then it didn't happen for them. We're going to do... Uh, we'll be back in a second. Take a break. No, no, we don't have. No, no, it's okay. We don't have. We can do it. It's just the first hour. Don't worry about it, Dave. I got it. All good, team. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. 
If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton. On the Blaze Radio Network. Team, our sponsor this half hour is SilencerShop.com. They are the best in the business, period. They offer the simplest silencer buying experience you can get. They have a friendly, knowledgeable staff. When it comes to doing the paperwork right for your silencer, you can trust SilencerShop.com. They submitted more than 60,000 forms to the ATF in 2015. Silencer is an absolutely awesome accessory to have for your firearm. It makes shooting more fun. It reduces the blast. You're at a much more comfortable level every time you depress the trigger. And a silencer in your firearm has all kinds of advantages, including better accuracy and reduced recoil. So please, go check it out for yourself. Look at all the latest brands, great prices, and you'll be supporting local business because you'll be, you'll be getting it from your local dealer. So silencershop.com, again, silencershop.com, help make the world a quieter place. You know what's not quiet? Protests. Let me see what I did there. Protests. They're loud. They're annoying. Uh, they may have shut down the street and I have may have gotten a call from my lady last night being like, uh, I can't cross the street because the protests are everywhere and the cops are everywhere and you can't get across the street. So the protesters are really annoying me right now. Um, and <sighs> such is life. And they're also idiots. Not all of them, obviously that's not nice. Most of them though, really dumb, really childish. And that you'd be protesting a democratic election the day afterwards by essentially suggesting that you are uh, not subject to the whims of this democracy or this republic in which you live as a democratic system for electing uh, representative government. Uh, That seems pretty autocratic and bizarre, doesn't it? And then if you're going to be marching with people who have socialist and revolutionary signs that they're holding up, we're supposed to take you seriously? The hysteria, and we'll get into the identity politics part of this in a second, because what we've really seen is the depths of the, uh, really the, uh, the deep nature, the festering nature of the psychological wounds this country has on issues of race that are completely manipulated by and exacerbated by the media. The huge problem with Hillary not getting elected isn't that Donald Trump is so vulgar and bad. That bothers them, but it's really not the, the core. And I saw this last night. It's that they have largely, the left has largely been brainwashed. They have been brainwashed into thinking that the fact that we didn't elect Hillary Clinton means that because she's a woman, because that is her gender, which, by the way, are we sure she identifies female? I'm just saying, because that's a question that can change at any point in time, according to the left. She does now. She could, by leftist orthodoxy, tell us tomorrow that she's somewhere else on the spectrum, and they would have to accept that. I know that's crazy, and you think I'm just being glib, and I'm being a little glib, but it's true. Gender matters so much in this election, 
wait, I thought gender was a spectrum and it was what you identify as. Why should gender matter at all? Oh, no, it matters tremendously. Why? The political power of the Democratic Party. That's what's at stake here. So they, we didn't vote for Hillary, which means that we are a misogynist country. And we voted for Trump, which means we are a racist country. We are a bigoted country. We're an anti-immigrant country. This is what has got them so upset. Because really, what was Hillary going to give them? What was she going to bring? Uh, I don't, I, I'm thinking about a Trump presidency, and I'm like, wow, secure borders, uh, better tax code, not perfect. I would really like it if they would just get him to do a flat tax. Come on, we can do it. Well, we'll talk about that another day or another time. But a better tax code, right? Um, a less cor- It's really the, the tax code, as I've said, is, is a monument to corruption. Uh, secure borders, uh, respect for police, no more exacerbating the narratives of police hunting down black men and all this stuff that goes on. I mean, there are things that Trump could do that would be great. Will he do them or not? I don't know. I think he will try, and I think some of it he'll accomplish, but maybe not. We're wait. I'm wait and see on that. What was Hillary going to give the left? She's not Trump, and she's a woman. That's pretty much it. And other than that, it was going to be business as usual. What's so strange to me is that the Democrat base is so upset that they didn't get their candidate because she was going to do things. But really, all she was going to do is what's going on right now. So what are they so upset about? Why do they want change so badly if they really just want status quo after eight years of Obama? But this is we're holding them to the standards of logic and reason. And that's our first mistake. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, today is make fun of whiny liberals day on the Buck Sexton show because they're asking for it. I was going to be cool. I was going to let it go. You know, uh, I, I come in peace. I did not bring artillery, but since they're messing with me, I will mock every single one of them. Uh, it's kind of a spinoff on a somewhat profane General Mattis comment from back in the day. OK, uh, where were we? Yes, that's right. Liberals being babies. Um, you do get the sense that liberalism is really an emotionalism it's a psychological state more than a set of political beliefs or aspirations for the state even Uh, liberalism is don't want to say it's a disorder but kind of getting close to it Uh, it is a set of feelings and that's the best way to describe it because otherwise you have people who are certainly capable of logic and reason i'm sure a lot of them are very bright when it comes to a whole bunch of issues Um, but when it comes to politics all of a sudden they're incapable of you know drawing a line on a piece of paper i mean they just can't figure out the most basic stuff for, for example it was not long ago that we were told that it was the trumpers who were angry it was the trumpers who were violent it was the trumpers who were going to cause revolution in this country and people were saying oh 
They're not going to accept the results of the election. Well, look who's not accepting the results of the election now. Not my president as a hashtag, which I'm pretty sure was trending you know, worldwide. Uh, not my president is pretty clearly not accepting the results of the election, right? We all understand that. We all get that. Okay. So not my president is something that they should be ashamed to say, but that's what they're saying. And they're saying much worse than that as well. Uh, We have an anti-Trump protester on CNN, knowing she's on camera, knowing this is being broadcast live across the country and around the world. And this is what she says about her feelings when it comes to this republic in which we live and our system of electing leaders and the vision of the founders. Oh, yeah, all that good stuff. Play clip two. Lily, Lily, your sign tonight says... Um, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. If, if we don't fight, who's going to fight for us? People had to die for our freedom where we're at today. We can't just do rallies. We have to fight back. There will be casualties on both sides. There will be because people have to die to make a change in this yeah. world. But Trump, enough with your racism. Stop splitting families. Let, don't split my family. And you're fearful that you're going to lose friends and relatives to deport? Oh, yeah, a lot. Friends, family, even all races. Not just my Hispanic culture, but the rest of the races. Don't take away our rights. You know, you impeach Donald Trump. That's what he needs to get yeah. impeached. All right, Paul. Uh, Paul, well, as you can hear, Paul, Don, thank that's you very some much. of the sentiments here. Yeah, thank you, Paul. No one should be advocating violence. I want to make that very clear. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don's got a point. People are going to have to die on both sides. Uh, wait, what? No, they really don't have to die on both sides. They don't die on any sides. It's all going to be okay. I- I'm I'm here to tell anybody who has concerns about violent revolution in this country and all the rest. Uh, it's it's all going to be okay at least when it comes to Trump. Meaning that no one's no one's going to be rounded up. There's going to be no camps. There's going to be a, oh wait, there's a debate about that. There's discussion about whether there's going to be camps. Oh, let's go back to CNN, which I've noticed they haven't. There are some of us conservatives that are now very much with the nominee. They want to stick with the original Trumpers. They're the only ones who get to talk about this stuff, which is of interest, I think. Uh, maybe perhaps a bit a bit worried that some of us are adept at these sorts of on-air arguments and they don't want to put some of their favorite Democrat pundits in positions where they're saying foolish things and will get slapped around. Uh, nonetheless, CNN panel last night, I think it was on Anderson's show, maybe it was on Don Lemon's show, I forget. There is a debate. It was on, it was on Lemon's? Okay. There's a debate about whether Anyone has accused Trump of trying to or said that Trump will put people in internment camps. Uh, play clip one. A bomb in the lab. In. Muslim parents that are afraid right now aren't afraid because these kids with these signs. They're not. They're afraid because he said over and over again that he wanted to ban people of their faith. That lands like a bomb From in the lab. Into the country. Hold on a second. You, 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 you want to explain to me why people who are scared shouldn't be afraid, and you want... But, but for you but, to but, say I, internment I, camps... Hey, hey, I didn't say internment camps. I, people are afraid of but that. But you should correct that. You should hey, correct that fear. That's not true. Well, well, Donald Trump has never proposed internment camps. You have to correct that fear. You guys won, and you need to back off. 
You need to have a little bit of empathy and understanding for people who are afraid because your candidate has been one of the most explosively uh, provocative candidates in the history of our country. And there's a price to be paid for that. There and, is, and, and hold on a second. Let, 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 let him finish. I am then, not finished. I'm not going to be talked over tonight. I'm not. You have people who are terrified. And, and you have to take some responsibility for it. I am not spreading the terror. I am trying to damp it but down. Van- Let me finish no, my they're point. they're wallowing in the terror, Listen, actually. you have people, Latino families, who, who say this guy has said he's going to deport millions of people. That's they the law. They sell their homes. They are terrified. That is a real fear. You have Muslims who have heard him say nothing good about the Muslim community the entire campaign. That's, that's a real true. fear. And so, so, so they've heard him say, maybe he said it, but that's not what broke through. Okay. And so, what so, we have so here's where we are now. now they're all so afraid. They're so afraid. They're terrified. Uh, they're terrified of a Trump presidency. Any responsible person should be saying now, you shouldn't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. And this fear that's out there. I was saying a, a lot of uh, signs last night were about, uh, I saw members of, I, I assume, either advocates for or allies of or members of the LGBT community uh, were holding up signs, you know, I'm in love and I'm scared. Why? Trump is not, Trump, there's nothing about Trump that says that he's going to uh, try to under, to try to switch back the Obergfell ruling and get rid of gay marriage. Nothing Trump has said that he's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. What makes him? I thought he was a flip-flopper who was really a liberal. Right now he's, you know, he's to the right of Genghis Khan. I mean, this is crazy. People are so afraid. They're so afraid. On the issue of illegal immigration, well, we're just going to continue to have a situation where people can violate the law in this country and stay here illegally for the foreseeable future, and Congress isn't even going to address it? So that's a law. That's not a federal law that we have to pay attention to. There are other federal laws. You know, if you, if you pack your lobster off the coast of Honduras as a U.S. fisherman in, like, the wrong cellophane, you, you may get a, a year in federal prison because, but, but, you know, that's the law. But federal illegal immigration laws or federal laws on immigration, those we can just ignore altogether. Those we can just pretend don't exist. That's a better situation. I, I don't believe that Trump is going to spend a lot of time and energy uh, deporting millions of people in this country. I don't think he's going to give them a pathway to citizenship either. I think he'll deport everybody with a criminal record who's here illegally. And they're going to tighten things up and they might start to do workplace enforcement. And if you can't get a job legally, uh, you, you may decide that you're better off going through the system legally. And so you all the people who are in this country who don't have U.S. citizenship, I mean, there probably are a handful of what you call stateless persons here and there. I knew a Palestinian who was technically a stateless person, but give me a break. Uh, all the illegal immigrants who are in this country uh, have somewhere from which they came. Uh, if they were born here, obviously, then they're citizens. We have birthright citizenship, so that's not an issue. Um, so they're not illegal immigrants, right, even if their parents are or something. But all the all of those who are illegals have a country from which they came. And th- that's the way the law is written right now. I don't think they're all going to be put on buses and they're going to separate the families and all this other stuff. But they may start enforcing the laws bit by bit. They may be more serious about securing the border. And over time, when the border is secure and when we have workplace enforcement and when the magnet for illegals is turned off and when the welfare benefits and the Obamacare benefits and all that are cut back for those who are not supposed to be here and we really have 
a sense at least that the problem is under control, then I think a lot of conservatives would be willing to have a discussion. But okay, what now? Do we do we do we go forward and say that people can stay here, but they will never be citizens and they can never vote? But what I'm talking about would be probably four, six, maybe even eight years in the future after Trump follows through on all the promises that he's already made. It's not a comprehensive solution we want. It's actually a piecemeal solution, bit by bit. We have to rebuild our immigration enforcement apparatus and our political willingness to enforce immigration law. So, yes, for illegals, there could be some anxiety. For everybody else they're talking about, though, what, what, they're all living in fear. Minorities are living in fear of Trump. Why? What's he going to do? So fearful of what? What has he said that so he was going to ban non-U.S. citizen Muslims from coming into the country from other countries? He's completely constitutionally within his rights to do that. If he's, if he's commander in chief, which he's going to be. Do I think it's a good idea? Not across the board. Do I think that we could probably put limits on non-special visa immigrants from Pakistan? Yeah. Yeah. If it means that we're safer from terrorism, I think that's a conversation we can have. But if you're already here, why are you scared? He's not going to, he never said he's going to expel all these people. So it's just, it's just fear mongering of the worst kind. And what you see is that the identity politics brainwashing on the left is, the, it was the prime factor in this election for them. It wasn't vote for Hillary because of her resume and she's going to do great things for this country. It was vote for Hillary because she's a woman and Trump represents white cisgendered male America. In all of its evil forms. That was the entirety of their electoral message. Never really talked about any policy she was going to do. There's nothing. And we're going to bring back jobs for the middle class. And I love middle class people. And hey, Obama, maybe you have to pardon me. Uh, No, not compelling stuff. Obviously. She lost to somebody who's never held elected office. Or any office other than private sector stuff. So... Someone explain that to me. You see this, though. The rot has really spread. Uh, This is the main concern. They are all a bunch of little crybabies about this. And the Democratic Party and the whole, the, the Democratic machinery and the base and the media, they just look pathetic right now. Pathetic. It's okay to be disappointed. It's not okay to cry and pound your hands on the street and block traffic, as they did on the 101 in California, uh, outside of L.A., one of the busiest freeways in the country. But that's, you know, (laughs) block a freeway in California, you're a freedom fighter. Block a bridge in New Jersey, you go to prison for up to 80 years, by the way, was the final tally of the charges there. 80 years. Traffic jam. 80 years. Think about that. Okay, let <laughs> that would. I know people will balk. You shouldn't have done. I know they shouldn't have done the traffic, but but eighty years in federal prison, really. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. We'll take some calls on their side, and we will be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio Network. Matt in Kansas, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. 
Shields high, Buck. Shields high. Hey, brother, I appreciate all of the uh, thanks that you give your fans. I listen to you and, and enjoy it. And, thank you. Uh, definitely feel the reciprocation of uh, the enjoyment of your show. So thank you. Appreciate that. I wanted to say about the protest, protesters a couple of things. Uh, not surprised that the day after, or even the day after the day after, that you know we're having issues now. Some of the things that they're saying and doing, though, are the same things that they call the people on the right nuts and stupid. So, yeah, of course. I mean, lighting, lighting trash cans on fire is not making the case to me that Donald Trump is a bad president. It's just not correct. You know, it's, yep. just, they're not, it's not like, oh, well, hold on a second. They're they're knocking over, you know, they're, they're knocking over trash cans in the street. They're right. Trump is bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so proving their point, I guess, you know. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind, this isn't one person at a rally somewhere. These are thousands and thousands of people in cities across the country. This wasn't just a one off. Huge numbers in Chicago and Oakland. I saw myself here in New York City. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, the people, like I said, people on the right, we're the loons, the crazy people. So. Yeah, that's what, I mean, when you see this and you have uh, people, how how likely are you to find the one person at one of these rallies who thinks there needs to be violence and she gets on CNN and says it? I, I think there's more. I think there's more that have have violent intention in mind. And it just goes to show you, I mean, look, leftism is, is an emotion. Is it really a form of emotional distress? Uh, Matt from oh, yeah. yeah, Matt from Kansas. Yeah, Great to talk to you, buddy. Shield side, thank you for calling in. Uh, I, we will take our – no, wait, we don't have time. We'll, if you're on hold right now, uh, stay with me. Uh, we got some spots open, 888-900-3393. We will get to you on the, uh, in the other – the next hour, I should say. And uh, do I have time for another one of those wonderful, uh, wonderful clips? Uh, oh, no, we will in the next hour. We, we got to talk about how th- this has somehow turned into also a referendum on race and Obama. So we elect Obama twice by big margins, president for eight years, and now a woman runs for president. She loses, and it's racism? It's, it's, it's as was said by one of my fellow CNN commentators, white lash? Oh. Oh. Yes. We're going to have to talk about that a little bit in the next hour. Uh, we'll have some uh, fascinating guests joining us, as always. And... Uh, Got some other stuff going on here. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to send me a message. Thoughts on the show. Also, obviously, on Twitter. Uh, 888-900-3393. We'll take calls in the next hour. If some pop up, we got some on now. Can't believe hour two is already here. Let's make fun of some liberals and we'll be good. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, team. Welcome back to the hut. We got Vince Colonese joining. He is the Daily Caller's executive editor on Twitter. He is the DC Vince. Vince, good to have you. What's up, buddy? It's great to be here. Thanks, Buck. Things are crazy. I, I, I don't know if you realize, but the election happened and no one saw it coming. And here I am. I'm fresh back from New York, and I'm ready to go, man. 
it, it's been kind of fun looking at the continued uh, the, the sort of the, the social media posts of shame as people go back and pull how, just how wrong uh, various pundits, pollsters, analysts, and all the rest were about this. My favorite, uh, there's a bunch of them to pick from. One of the best was Huffington Post saying that their internal scientific method- methodology had brought them to believe that there was a 98.1% chance that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. That was the day before, I think, because uh, 98% isn't enough. You also have uh, David Pluff, who is supposed to be some political genius because he was part of the Obama campaign. A lot of that going around, by the way. You know, anybody who worked for Obama in 08 is like some kind of a genius when if you worked for Obama, you were lucky because he was going to win no matter who worked for him. Uh, but Pluff sure. wrote, uh, he tweeted, I'm trying to see what the date is in this. Uh, I've got it here. Uh, oh, yeah, June of 2016. Pennsylvania is not a true battleground. Shows real discipline. Uh, yeah, they lost Pennsylvania by 1%. <laughs> so a lot of wrong out there from people that are supposed to be right. Yeah, a lot of wrong. And a lot of it was actually wishful thinking run awry, right? So, you have, I mean, especially in the press, people were just hoping that Hillary would win, allowing their, their analysis of the election to always head in the direction of their desire. And... Boy, were they proven wrong. Now, by the way, all of this soul-searching that you're seeing today, uh, or really just like, how did we get it wrong? How did he win despite uh, all of the data? Um, that's only being done to basically shore up the notion that these outlets deserve to have audiences anymore. I mean, they're, they're just trying to tell people, look, look, there's a reason. You can trust us, Bill. I know we got this hilariously wrong, but trust us. We, we know why we got it wrong now. Everything's better. And I don't think that's the case. I think in a lot of cases that the, the way to the press so inaccurately saw what was going on, so inaccurately described who the Trump voter was, so frequently sort of maligned that movement and tried to make it appear as not that meaningful of a representation of the country. I mean, they just got that all that wrong, and I don't think that's going to end. I think they're going to continue to sort of attract Trump and anyone who supports him, uh, and that's not a good thing. You know, they, uh, the media has an obligation and to tell the whole truth, and uh, increasingly what it's become is they tell half-truths in the service of activism rather than whole truths in the service of, of knowledge. I see here on the dailycaller.com uh, another part of the conventional wisdom that has been shattered was that Trump would be so bad for the down-ticket races. Not only was that not the case, because as we see, Republicans kept the House, kept the Senate, uh, did very well across the country, and in some places you could even make the case, based on what we've seen uh, with the polling and the numbers, that uh Trump, that people riding into office on Trump's coattails, uh, that the in some of the Senate races, people that decided to distance themselves from Trump, they were the ones who lost. Right, exactly. Well, Mark Kirk's case specifically, I'm not sure Mark Kirk would have really survived it no matter what, but you know, attacking Trump obviously did him no help. He ends up losing the race. And uh, Same with Kelly, Kelly right. Ayotte in New Hampshire and Joe Heck in Nevada. They explicitly right. rejected and- Trump. And you see these guys obviously fall. But now, where's Trump? Trump is led with the trifecta. He left with the trifecta. He's got the White House, he's got the House, and he's got the Senate. And he's going to be able to uh, pursue an agenda that's to the liking of all three of those, right? So um, he's meeting today with Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell to try and begin the process of setting the legislative agenda that the Republican Party is going to pursue, I think, pretty quickly. Everything from installing a new Supreme Court justice, as well as getting the agenda items that Trump has illuminated throughout the campaign on board. And there's already a little bit of disagreement among Republicans. Uh, you have Mitch McConnell already signaling that he's not 
too keen to pick up the infrastructure spending part, for instance, that Donald Trump wants. But clearly there's going to be areas of agreement that they can all work on very quickly. Uh, you know, I want to ask you, what do you think about the protests across the country that, you know, no, never mind a honeymoon, not even a day's respite from leftist agitation over the Trump victory. Uh, I don't know. They're protesting what? What is the protest? They would like to convince people to undo the results of the election. I mean, do they really want to overthrow the government? What are they out of the streets protesting? They just want to make it known how much they hate Trump. It's like, yeah, we already know that. Right. Yeah. I mean, protests, protests, I think, are in general healthy. You know, you like some, some healthy back and forth, especially if, if your goal is to try and convince the president to be a president that serves you and serves all of the people rather than just some. But that's not the case here. What these protest movements are about is challenging legitimacy, the notion that Trump is even a legitimate president. And unfortunately, as it is, and, and what's also unfortunate is how predictable this is, so often these things turn to violence, that there are members, especially of leftist protest movements that we've seen over the past couple of years, who are frequently resorting to violence as an expression of their agitation and not just simple, peaceful, civil disobedience. So, you know, they're, they're not doing themselves any favors. And in fact, I think they may want to second-guess their behavior in light of the fact that it may have had a, a compelling effect on people supporting Donald Trump. All of these Black Lives Matter protests that we've seen over the past few years, obviously that's the Democrat side of the aisle has always lined up with it. And I think you in American cities who are just so fed up with violence, with like traffic protests, with just being brought to a screeching halt by, by this type of activism and some of the violence, that they're sick of it. And that may have had an effect on helping Donald Trump get elected. I mean, you even have people of of the likes of, uh, what's his name, Aaron Sorkin, writer of The West Wing, and uh, who you know, became most famous for creating an alternative presidency for liberals who hated Bush so much they wanted to pretend that Charlie Sheen's dad was their president. Uh, and, and he's saying, he, he had this open letter, which is just, you know, this thing that, oh, I'm going to write an open letter now about Trump. Uh, to his to the Sorkin girls, I read the whole thing. He called last, or he called the election uh, from you know the, whatever it was yesterday, day before yesterday, uh, a, a win for the Klan. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that people are out there saying who have platforms, who have audiences and followings. Uh, th- this is just wildly irresponsible, and, and I think it demeans the real arguments that some people in the Democratic Party can at least have with Republicans on issues. It makes them look like a bunch of clowns, right? And also it. It muddies the waters for the United States to pursue um, uh, some semblance of reasonable democracy, right? So, I mean, Hillary gave a concession speech and said all the right things about what she hopes for the country and that Donald Trump's a good president, et cetera, et cetera. But what she didn't concede, and and something I think she should, is the extent to which she's made the country think a certain thing about Donald Trump. I'm convinced that the people who are in power, the people who are closest to it, including the Hillary campaign, have just created this image of Trump that doesn't accurately reflect who he is. Now, granted, he's a man of like of, of many sins, for sure. He's definitely committed a lot of things that I think a lot make a lot of people uncomfortable. But he's not everything that they say he is. If he's a racist, prove it. Make your case. But far too often, it was just sort of like, trust me on this, he is. And many of the people who sort of were following the Hillary Clinton campaign just went along with it. And now we're left with that as a country, this notion that he, are, he is things that nobody's really set out to prove. Don't these campuses, uh, the students on the campus, college campuses, and and professors, want to maintain some semblance of dignity? To, to have adults, including faculty, have sit-ins, cry-ins, 
Try essentially yeah. group therapy sessions, the creation of safe. This is what they're doing. They're having safe spaces set up post-election for people to cry about this. I, I you know, at least the sort of ground pounding community organizer leftists. Sometimes you feel like they're they're devoted to the cause and yeah, <laughs> maybe they're a worthy adversary. This yeah. campus stuff is just they're just a bunch of little whiners. Totally. It's, it's disgusting and it's pitiful. And uh, pathetic. If I can think of a couple more adjectives, I'll drop them in. But no, it's it's also the reason. It again. I mean, people keep wondering, you know, how does Donald Trump got elected? Well, there's one way. I mean, if the country has become more like that in the last seven years than last, right? I mean, Buck. I mean, how many times? If you asked ten years ago, like how many places are having cry-ins or safe spaces? Yeah, it was beginning to happen, but not like it is now. Holy cow! I mean, just the sheer act of being offended is enough to get people expelled from school. So. We're looking at a very, very different world than we were a decade ago. And as a result, I think there's a lot of people who are both longing for a world that makes much more sense and people who have like respect for the fact that like people are going to disagree. You know, I think one of the instincts that we've just seen in the last 24 hours as a byproduct of this is the notion of challenging Donald Trump's legitimacy. Like in 2016, you basically get everything you want whenever you want, right? You can get on your phone, you can order a car, you can order food, anything you need. Nobody's supposed to offend you. You can do whatever gender you want. So there's all these things where, right, where you just sort of get to pick your lifestyle and be happy. And when the person you don't want to be president becomes president, boy, does that seem like an affront. Like, well, your whole world is collapsing around you. And in this case, Donald Trump has become president. Yes, people are going to disagree with that. But I think there's a lot of people out there who don't understand that they have to live in a world where sometimes things happen that they don't want to happen. And in this case, that's Donald Trump being elected for well, many liberals. You know, having seen one of the – I don't know if you saw any of the protests yourself, Vince. Uh, you were in New York or D.C. last night. But – uh, I, I saw a, one of the major protests here in New York City and, and watched it sort of march by and screaming and cursing. Overwhelmingly, people in their 20s and, and 30s, uh, I would say 70 to 80 percent from what I saw, maybe more. And I, I think that for a lot of them, they've just never as you know, they've never in their adult life or close to it had to deal with anything other than Obama presidency also. They're just so used to, yes, we can, he's a genius, he's the greatest president in history, and he's super progressive, and the media will cover for him no matter what. And now there's this sort of shock of the reality setting in that they're going to get to sit now and watch the TV and hear speech after speech after speech from someone that a lot of them uh, don't just disagree with, which is fine, but actively hate, and hate because they were, as you pointed out, Told to by Hillary Clinton. They were told that he was a bad person and that supporting him was indicative of low character. Right. Yeah. And actually, the very man who met today with uh, Donald Trump, President Obama, called Trump unfit to be president. And yet here he is meeting with the guy. And they both had nice things to say about each other after they left the meeting, by the way. And that must feel confusing to anyone who agreed with Obama's assessment that this this man was unfit to be president. Um, So, yeah, that's. That's going on, and I think it's not a good thing. I mean, think about what it means to be 20 years old right now. At 10, it was 2006, and the left was fully, and the right had joined them, basically opposed to uh, George W. Bush. So their entire state of political consciousness has involved either attacking Republicans or only siding with President Obama. And now for the first time in the lives of many millennials, they're going to have to deal grapple with a Republican president, although that's obviously a very different definition than what it used to be. I mean, Donald Trump in many ways, is a very different politician than, than either side can really typecast. But for the first time now, they're going to deal with a Republican, and they just don't know how to deal with it other than to swing mud at them. What do you think Obama's going to do for the next couple of months? Do you, do you have anything in mind that we're, we should expect as President Obama 
uh, sort of readies his last his last phase in office. Uh, you know, lame duck Obama gives us what, in your opinion? Well, I think, you know, I think he's still interested in executive orders and general executive actions. I still think he's interested in agency regulation. Uh, you know, these are things he doesn't need Congress to do. Uh, it, then he hasn't, you know, he spent his entire presidency sort of eschewing inclusion of Congress in the process. So I don't see why that would change now. Um, it'd be interesting to see his use of the pardon power to whom it extends and whether or not that goes up to and including Hillary Clinton or anybody within her circle of influence. Uh, you know, I, I, I really can't predict it. My hope would be that he not muddy the waters for, for, for Donald Trump, that you can spend your lame duck gracefully exiting, but he may very well do everything he can to sort of try and preserve his legacy that he may feel is very under threat by the next president. Vince Colonese is the Daily Caller's executive editor. You can follow him at the DC Vince on Twitter and go check out dailycaller.com. They did great stuff over the elections, a site I check out all the time. Vince, really appreciate having you. Buck, thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. Uh, team, the phone lines are open, 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton, Buck Sexton. dispensing the truth. On the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Mark in Maryland, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Hey, Shields. Hi, Buck. Shields. Hi, Mark. Okay, yeah, all these uh, poor little protesters at the colleges with the professors there holding their hands and, you know, just having little safe zones to cry and boo-hoo and pity-pout, they they probably never had anybody in their entire lives ever tell them no or spank their little tushies. And I blame their parents. <laughs> they weren't true parents. They would make them sit on the couch when they needed a whack on the backside. Well, I got to think I that the really- parents are probably a bunch of progressive baby boomer types for a lot of these kids, so it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't. I mean, it's just they're little, little pouting babies raised by pouting babies. You know. I hear you, man. It's frustrating, but it is it fun is. to make fun of them. That's the good. That's the good news. The good <laughs> news is, if they continue to do it, I'll go out there and start doing some man on the street. So, uh, excuse me, sir. You're opposed to Donald Trump as president. Why are you carrying a sign that pays? Homage to the Socialist International. What is it about the hammer and sickle that gets you so psyched, you know, and see what they have to say? Because that was a real thing. I'm not making that up. There were signs. There were socialist. uh, There were socialist signs and socialist revolution signs yesterday at the protest. So, yeah, as well as a lot of profanity, because that's the way to get your message across. Oh, yeah. But uh, oh, another thing. I want to wish a happy 241st to all my brothers and sisters that I served in the Marine Corps with. That's right. That's right. Thank you for the reminder. Happy birthday, yeah. Marine Corps. So let's go down to Tun Tavern in Philadelphia and hold our own little protest with a, with a nice cold beer. There you go. All right, Mark and Maryland, man. Thank you for your service. Shields high. Good to talk to you. 
Uh, Liz in Ohio. Hey, what up, Liz in Ohio? Been a while. Hey, Buck. Hey, yeah. Um, I wanted to relay a story, and if I have time, kind of a follow-up question. My current housemate is a transgender social justice warrior. Um, and the only reason I can make this call is that she's currently at a Black Lives Matter protest. I'm not making any of this up. Um, she's currently out. Um, the, yesterday morning, I got the full brunt of the, uh, the social justice warrior anger about the election. Uh, she saw absolutely no irony in telling me that, um, that Trump was elected because white people are only perceived as being oppressed and they're actually not. And then following it up by saying she's ready to move because the lynch mobs are coming and all gay marriages are going to be annulled and she's not going to be able to go into any public bathroom ever. Has absolutely, has no sense of irony, has absolutely <laughs> no, no concept of how ridiculous it is. These and people are, so, these people yeah. are, are, there's a thing. I mean, we need to describe, they're Trumpophobic. I mean, they have a, an yeah. irrational fear of Trump. I mean, this is Trumpophobia. Yeah. I think that the best part of it is now she's also mad at me because I'm not getting caught up in the hysteria. She's mad because I'm not mad. I get, I, I'm, yeah. I'm upset and annoyed at these people, not just because I think they're being childish and hysterical for no reason. I mean, these people being any, anyone who's like, oh, I'm so terrified Trump won. Yeah. I wasn't terrified when Obama won. I mean, I thought he would make bad decisions and, and be harmful to the country's future, but I wasn't like, oh gosh, how, how am I going to survive? Yeah. Obama's president. Uh, the, it's, it's nonsense what we're hearing from people that are, that are taking that sort of a tone. And I also find it insulting too. I mean, do, you know, do my gay friends really think that I would sit idly by while while they were, you know, carted off to a camp somewhere or something? I mean, are, you know, yeah, exactly. I, never going to happen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. we're the people that sit around saying if the government goes tyrannical, we're going to take up arms. I mean, that's that tends to come from the right. And we've got people right. on the left saying, well, they're going to round us up and put us in internment camps. No, no, we're not. We're, we, we do not let the government go tyrannical under any circumstances, no matter what party it is. Yeah, that's kind of our deal. Um, but I, I had a question for you, and maybe on a little more serious note, but how do we get back from partisan politics now since the last three elections have been decided with, um, you know, demographic groups? Like, you're disenfranchised, vote for me, that sort of thing. How do we get back from that, or do we? Uh, we don't. I think the genie's out of the bottle, uh, and now it just turns in. This is the problem with balkanization via, I mean, balkanization coming from the Balkans, which is obviously a place that was separated by ethnic and religious identity and led to very bloody conclusions over centuries. Um, the problem is that it's very hard to fix this once you've started to exploit this for political reasons. We'll talk about that. Uh, good call, Liz. Great to talk to you. We'll talk about the uh, racial side of all of this on the flip side of the break. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. So, team, there. A couple of ways that the left can react to all this in, in broad terms. We, we've seen already the protests and the whining and the crying and the sadness and all the rest of it. Uh, there are a couple of ways, uh, though, that I think they can sort of take a main avenue uh, or a main response to it all. A and one of them is to be introspective and look at the party and look at what happened. 
uh, and the problems there. I mean, I think Republicans tried to do this in 2012, although took some of the wrong lessons. Remember in 2012, the lesson after the Romney election, which has been completely repudiated by this election, I should point out, is that the only way Republicans will ever win another national level election is if they get uh, like 30 or 40 percent of the Hispanic vote. Nope. Or 40 percent, I think it was, whatever it was, some considerably larger percentage than they did in the Romney election. Not true. Not true. Uh, there's an Ann Coulter piece. I, I got to give her credit. I know some of you. She, I mean, she looks like Nostradamus, given what's what's gone down here. Uh, whether you whether you love her, as I know some of you do, or or you don't, as I know is the case with others of you. I I respect and like Ann a lot, and, and she uh, she was right on a lot of this stuff. When I mean right, I'm talking about her predictions. Trump will win. Here's how he'll win, and the initial strategy that she laid out was. Uh, increasing the white working class vote in battleground states in the Rust Belt in the Midwest. That's it. That was what ha- that was the difference in the election. That was it. That was what changed. Other than that, it was pretty much the same as before, although uh, Trump did better in the key states. Right? Turnout for Romney was stronger in some of the Republican strongholds, uh, but turnout in for, or rather vote totals in Florida show that Trump overperformed where he had to over overperform. Kind of reminds me a little bit of tennis. If any of you heard tennis players, it's not about who wins the most aggregate points necessarily. It's about winning the points when you got to. You know, there are, there are points that are really important. There are points that aren't. And in the states that were really important, I know I'm making a tennis analogy. A lot of you are like, what? Get out of here. Uh, I like tennis. But for, uh, for the rest of us looking at this election, you can see that the, uh, the 2012 sort of post-GOP uh, you know, after action report, the after action report for the for 2012 election was wrong. And I, I can tell you right now that the Democrats after action report is also going to be way off. Samsonite, they're way off. Uh, so I'll give you a, a, a good version of what should be said here or a, a good version of what liberals should learn from this election. It actually comes courtesy of The Guardian, a U.K. paper. And uh, Thomas Frank, who is an author, I think. Let me see. Who is this guy? I actually didn't really look. Um, Yeah, he's the author of Listen Liberal. Uh, Here's what he wrote about essentially making the case that liberals are the reason that Trump won, which is true. He says he writes, Donald Trump is moving to the White House and liberals put him there. This is Thomas Frank. Let me just read you the last two of the last paragraphs of this, because I think he sums it up rather well. Um, and, And this is. This is the truth of this election. And we'll get into the unfortunate nastiness that's being spread that is not true. Okay. Uh, Put this question in slightly more general terms, and you're confronting the single great mystery of 2016. The American white-collar class just spent the year rallying around a super-competent professional who really wasn't all that competent and either insulting or silencing everyone who didn't accept their assessment. And then they lost. Maybe it's time to consider whether there's something about shrill self-righteousness shouted from a position of high social status that turns people away. That's one paragraph. This guy is very astute analysis in here. He goes on. The even larger problem is that there is a kind of chronic complacency that has been rotting American liberalism for years. A hubris that tells Democrats they need do nothing different they need deliver nothing really to anyone except their friends on the Google jet 
and those nice people at Goldman. The rest of us are treated as though we have nowhere else to go and no role to play except to vote enthusiastically on the grounds that these Democrats are the last thing standing between us and the end of the world. It is a liberalism of the rich. It has failed the middle class and it has now failed on its own terms of electability. Enough with these comfortable Democrats and their cozy Washington system. Enough with Clintonism and its prideful air of professional class virtue. Enough. Great stuff from this guy. Um, I got to say, it's totally correct. This is what happened. This is how the press was so completely delusional about Hillary's prospects as well. They were all, I mean, how could you not vote for Hillary? They were thinking, how could you not vote for Hillary? Are you kidding me? This woman has gotten everywhere because of her husband and her last name. Can we stop playing the game? Can we stop pretending? Oh, she's amazing. Look at her resume. You can make me Secretary of State tomorrow. Is everyone going to talk about how I'm so amazing? Well, maybe because I'd be an awesome Secretary of State. But I'm saying in general, come on, man. We were just force-fed this like a goose getting ready to be turned into foie gras. I mean, just jamming the grain down our gullets. Yeah, that's how they make foie gras. Which is delicious, by the way. That's how the media treated us. That's the circumstances in which we found ourselves. Across the board. Across the board. Look, if it was if it was Trump versus Bloomberg, who is not exactly the most charming guy in the world, but I got to say, as a New York City resident who's lived in the city for a long time and also worked for the mayor, technically, when I was NYPD Intelligence Division, uh, yeah, that would have been a very interesting contest in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, there there are plenty of options. Look, I think Joe Biden probably would have beaten Trump, although maybe not, because Joe Biden's whole blue collar Joe thing. I don't think it has the same. I, I still think Trump probably would have won, but but maybe not. Uh, would have been very interesting to see how a Sanders candidacy would have gone up against the Trump candidacy. That's the sort of the historical what if that we'll never know. But I'm just it's 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 fun to think about. But for that, it would be Hillary Clinton. Why? They assumed the answer to the why was because obviously. But the answer was actually not obvious to a lot of us. And I don't just mean Republicans and conservatives, people like me who are never going to vote for Hillary. I mean to a lot of Americans. Why am I voting for Hillary? Yeah, she really understands my problem. She really cares about the middle class. She's going to publicly funded universities and getting paid $250,000 to give a crap speech. Do you think she's giving that back to the student body? Oh, maybe she's taking it for the Clinton Foundation, which just pays for her lifestyle anyway. As has been pointed out, the Clinton Foundation allowed the Clintons to live as billionaires and become 100 millionaires. But their lifestyle in terms of the jet travel and the sorts of perks and the staffs and everything, they were, they were living like billionaires. Because they didn't pay they didn't pay for all that jet stuff and everything else. They're not paying for these staffs. It's all foundation money. I got to say, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking more about, and I know I'm getting off topic here. This is going to happen today. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. I was thinking more about that pardon issue yesterday. And, of course, there's the, are we talking about a pardon from Trump or a pardon from Obama? Pardon from Obama is a, that would be a a, a political, uh, what's the, I don't know, royal rumble. I mean, things would go wild for a little while if that happened. But I also, you have to separate out in my mind a pardoning for the email issue versus a pardon for the entirety of the Clinton Foundation corruption. 
the email stuff I could see in the interests of uh, the interests of moving forward. Maybe somebody would say, "Look, there, there weren't, you know, the, the server wasn't breached. Uh, we, you know, other, there's for the for the betterment of the country. Maybe you know, I, I can maybe. And I think what she did is, is illegal and criminal, and she should have been held accountable for. It. But I'm just saying, as a means of unifying the country, pardoning her for the email thing, I, I'm open to that. Part I actually have a harder, and I'm somebody who had a TS clearance and lived under these psychotically strict. And oftentimes unfair and unfairly applied rules, by the way, uh, you know, for everybody else. I mean, you don't even want to know. We'll have somebody who actually does national security investigations uh, or national security investigation defense in the next hour. And we'll talk a little more about this pardon situation. Um, I'm sort of getting ahead of myself with that. Then let me return to. So put a pin in that and let me return, if I can, to uh, the, the lessons that they're taking from all this. So that's on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand. You have that this is all about race and racism and that when people want to talk about whether the country is racist or not, it's not a media narrative. It's not just something that comes up. It's not just out of nowhere that there's a real uh, a need to have more discussions of race and more discussions about uh, how bigoted Americans are. This isn't like the, the media hypes it up. And here you had, uh, again, on the Don Lemon Show last night, you had Charles Blow, who's a New York Times columnist, just just completely uh, becoming indignant at this notion that the media plays games and inflates race as a, as a function of trying to get more ratings and to divide the American people in the process. Here's what he said. Play clip five. To think that race is a media fascination. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, I happen to live in this skin. I've been doing that for like 46 years. And, I, and let me tell you something about this has nothing to do with media, has nothing to do with my job, has nothing to do with n- any of that. It has everything to do with the fact that I know my history. I know my family's history. I have investigated that and written a whole book about it. And everything about that history has everything to do with race. It, every, every moment, Along the way, when they worked really hard and they were prevented from transference of intergenerational wealth, it had everything to do with race. It had nothing to do with the media. They didn't even have TVs then. And then you know that this concept that we are creating or we are somehow living in a in a in a past and luxuriating in a race obsession that is great for us because we feel good about it is the most insulting thing that I could ever hear. Ooh, I think I think that they struck a nerve there uh, because that's exactly what the media does. They do luxuriate in this narrative of a racist America and find ways to. And I could sit here and just go through example after example after example. I remember when opposition to Obama's tax policy was racist. Obama wants to raise taxes on me. I don't like that idea. Oh, you're so racist. Wait, what? Oh, Every, and and the, the fallback position for a lot of these media talking heads who, by the way, have in many cases made lucrative careers off of just being uh, race baiters and race hustlers. But the fallback position is, well, everything has to do with race. The moment, the moment you're talking about America, everything has to. There's, there's no. Well, if everything has to do with race, nothing has to do with race. If everything's about racism, then why are we even talking about it? Because it's just infected us everywhere. Of course, not everything is about race and racism. And of course, there's a there's a proper context for it. And then there's inflating it and being disingenuous and dishonest about it. And when you come out of an election with 60 million people on one side and 60 million people on another voting and 
your takeaway is that those 60 million people are racist. You're doing a tremendous disservice, not just to the Democratic Party, but to the country as a whole. People did not, the vast majority, I mean, yeah, of course, this is why, you have, what about, yeah, there's a few, a few dumbass Klan members somewhere who voted for Trump, and who cares? Just like there are some radical, you know, uh, Black Panther type, black nationalists who I'm sure voted Democrat. You know, uh, the new Black Panther Party, I'm sure they vote Democrat, I'm sure they don't vote Republican. What difference does that make? But to cast dispersions on 60 million fellow Americans and suggest that they are racist and they think less of people because of their skin color and that they did this out of some sort of a a backlash uh, against people for their skin color, a backlash against multiculturalism and against identity politics. Yeah. And that's that's allowed. And maybe we can actually talk more about that now that we'll have a Trump presidency. Maybe we can say, you know. Affirmative action is actually a racial spoil system, and I don't care that the Supreme Court this time around just sort of saved it by the skin of its teeth. It's bad. It's wrong. It's ethically wrong. Maybe we get to have that talk a little more openly now, but that's different than saying that somebody's racist. They don't like somebody because of their skin color, or they make judgments about people based on skin color. All right. Got to go to a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show. Jody in Utah. Welcome to the Freedom Hut. What's up, Jody? Jody? So I think you would Buck, are yes, you there? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Sorry. I think you would make a fabulous Secretary of State and you're always well qualified to do everything. Thank you. Um but but aside from that, I just had called. No, you to should say, just we should just stop there and run that sound bite all day. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're you're more than welcome to run it all day. Um, I feel horribly, terribly sorry for these. I, I hesitate to call them children, but very, very ill-equipped and under-equipped to handle opposition and tragedy and anything that does not fit into their preconceived notions. I mean, they're just, they have been let down, these 20 and 30-somethings, have been let down all the way around by adults in their growing up life to teach them how to handle opposition and stress and no. And now they don't know what else to do, so they're stomping around having fits. I mean, it is fun to mock them, but I think we should feel sorry for them because they don't know how to handle it. Well, I I always like to come from a place of empathy, but they're being pretty annoying, Jody. They're they're kind of they're kind of bothering me. They're actually bothering me on the streets of New York. Okay, yes, I guess we got to leave it there, Jody. Thank you for calling in from Utah. We're out of time for this hour. Next hour coming up, got awesome stuff to talk about. It's exciting. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. We've got spots open on the phone lines now. Love to hear from you. Third hour, we'll talk about some other stuff. It's going to be great. So just. Give me a couple minutes. I'll be right back.
The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome to hour three. Our guest now is Sean Bigley. He is a federal security clearance attorney and partner at Bigley Ranish LLP. He is also an occasional op ed contributor, I see here to Fox News. His latest piece. The real story behind Hillary's reckless failure to protect classified information. Sean, great to have you back. Thanks for having me again, Buck. All right, so uh, what is the real story behind it? <laughs> Let's just take your headline <laughs> and run with it. The real story behind Hillary's reckless failure to protect classified. Well, the point that I was trying to communicate in writing that article really was uh, something that has flowed out of a lot of the uh, the hate mail that I've gotten uh, from our friends on the other side of the aisle uh, over the past few months. And really, it is uh, this sort of willful blindness to the idea that character matters, and character really was at what was at issue in this case. A lot of the people who have written to me and who have commented on articles that I've written have said, well, look, the FBI cleared her. They cleared her not once, they cleared her twice. And so there's no problem here, nothing to see. And uh, yes, okay, fine, she was cleared, we all know that, but... She wasn't cleared from a character standpoint. And at the end of the day, I, I'm a firm believer that those who are holding office in this country need to be held to a higher standard. And so my point here was essentially that this sort of Marie Antoinette-like, let-them-eat-cake attitude that she exhibited was really telling and really not something that we wanted uh, to uh, you know, have in our, in our leaders. It's not, a, not an, uh, an enviable quality, frankly. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, both sides, Republican and Democrat, have been guilty of that over the years. But Donald Trump, I think, has done an exceptional job of harnessing the public's frustration with that attitude. And I think, frankly, that's why he won. Now, if Hillary, Hillary Clinton it was assumed by many would win the presidency and therefore would just – the president gets access to, to everything, obviously. There's no – and there's no background investigation. The background investigation is the campaign and the election. Uh, if Hillary Clinton now wanted to – or you know, if she wanted to have a clearance, if she – she'd be in bad shape, I would assume, if she had to actually get a clearance the old-fashioned way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she would never pass scrutiny at this point, nor would any of her people. Um, And, you know, I was sort of waiting with bated breath to see what was going to happen if she actually did get elected uh, to all of the the folks who were uh, co-conspirators, if you will, uh, with her in this uh, email uh, incident. Um, Fortunately, that's an article that I don't have to write. um, But, you know, again, at the end of the day, I think the whole situation and the way in which um, she and her people uh, sort of has, have escaped any sort of punishment for their actions, it doesn't bode well in the long run uh, for our criminal justice system, and it certainly doesn't bode well for our national security. I think there are going to be a lot of questions being asked, uh, serious questions, about what this means for uh, the rest of us who have to apply for security clearances, the little people um, who have to go through the process 
And it really is a big problem. Uh, those who are outside the national security arena, I think, um, may not understand the extent to which this impacts people's lives. We have many good people who uh, I have to deliver the news to uh, that they've lost their career, their standing in the community, their livelihood, uh, because they've done far less. Um, and it's really, it's a heart-wrenching conversation to have to have, especially when I see, you know, Hillary Clinton on the news sort of laughing off her her conduct. Um, so uh, I'm hoping that there's going to be some changes uh, made down the road where we hold people at the top to the same standard that we hold everybody else, but it remains to be seen. I want to ask you about the, the Hillary defense. We talked about this once before when you're on. Do you find that that will be uh, useful going forward, or has the government, from what you can sort of see and from what, whatever reading of the tea leaves you can do, has it already been made pretty clear that, well, there's there's the Hillary standard and there's a standard for everybody else? Right. Well, it's a tough thing. And, you know, I, I did a, a seminar uh, with uh, Judge Mukasey, uh, former attorney general, uh, several weeks ago in Washington, D.C., and we talked about that issue. And his comment, uh, very rightly so, was that judges in criminal cases are not going to give that much weight. Uh, we've seen it tried um, once already uh, with the Navy sailor who was uh, recently convicted of uh, taking some pictures inside a submarine. Uh, his defense attorneys tried that argument, and it failed. And Judge so wait, he took pictures point- in a submarine. He didn't mean any harm was their defense, and they were like, sorry, you got to go? I mean, that's, that's, how it went, that's how it went down. What happened? Yeah, pr- I mean, pretty much. Uh, it was, uh, in, I think, in Virginia, um, relatively well-publicized story just a few months ago, and he was taking some pictures of a classified area inside the submarine and wound up getting convicted uh, for that, and he's now serving a year in prison. Uh, and the defense tried, you know, sort of the Hillary argument here, um, and it was it was shot down. And, and Judge McCasey pointed out, rightfully so, that in a criminal case, uh, or really in, in any case uh, in which you have a, a court of law judging conduct, the judge is going to look at that and say, well, that's nice, but I have to judge the facts in this case that I have before me. The problem is when we get into the security realm of things, uh, my clients are judged not by a traditional judge and a traditional jury. They're judged by their peers in the national security community. And we go before uh, essentially juries, if you will, uh, without a judge in uh, various agencies, the CIA, the Department of Defense, and these boards of uh, other employees are ultimately uh, the ones who have the final say on whether the person keeps uh, right. his or well, her clearance. You mean, yeah, there's a, clearly a difference between a criminal prosecution and the you don't have a right to a clearance. I mean, exactly. I can assume it's a privilege. This is sort of like when I was in the NYPD, uh, I remember being brought in, and whenever there was an internal affairs investigation, I remember being told, well, you know, you have to testify and you have to answer every question and you can't plead the fifth because we'll fire you. You know, you know, you, you can plead. The, I could go in and not say anything, but then I lose my job because I don't have a right to the job. That's so right. You have a very That's different right. standard for either like we, we can't we can't make you talk. We can't put you in jail, but we can fire you if you won't speak to us, just like they can take or right, they can revoke or, or um, object to a clearance. And there's not really other than going to you, Sean. Right. There's not a whole lot of other places to go and try to get help. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I think it's very easy for people to view this in the abstract and say, oh, well, you know, what's a security clearance? But really, uh, you know, these are people oftentimes who have dedicated their entire career to serving our government. And, um, you know, it's it's very difficult once you lose a security clearance to then go and, and find work uh, elsewhere that does not require, uh, you know, some type of government access.
Yeah, I can imagine. By the way, in the case with the with the uh, the sailor and the sub, just so I know, I'm assuming that there was no, you know, the the photographs didn't you know get didn't make it anywhere. They didn't make it to the, you know they didn't put it send them to the Russians or something, right? So it was just you took the photos and and they held them and they're, they're sending them to prison for that. Is that how it went down? Yeah, that's exactly how it went down. No, no evidence of espionage, nothing like that. Uh, but he's, he's yeah, but you know, with with Hillary, they were saying to us, well, they did, the hackers didn't get into her server necessarily. Although we can't say about foreign soil, they probably did. But because we can't prove that there was a hack of her server, you know, no harm, no foul. That's a very specific Hillary defense. I mean, that, that that's it's it's amazing that that was able to be sort of trotted out there the way that it was. Yeah, I completely agree. And and you know, I as I mentioned earlier, it's this sort of willful blindness. Um, I really, really. Um, think that those on the other side of the aisle need to take a hard look at why they lost this election. Um, I see so much, even on social media, of people sort of placing the blame everywhere else but their own candidate. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, at the end of the day, I think really her her undoing was her own actions. um, and, And people, I think, need to take a hard look at that. I wanted to ask you one more thing about the possibility of a pardon. I keep getting people asking me, can you really be pardoned before you've been charged? And the answer, as I understand it, is yeah, of course you can. And yes. Obama could give a blanket pardon for all federal crimes to Hillary Clinton before he leaves office, correct? That's absolutely correct. Um, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Uh, in doing that, he would essentially be admitting that she did, in fact, break the law. Um, so there there would be some risk involved with that, uh, not only in that uh, sort of tacit admission, but also to his legacy. So I think he's going to think twice about that. But she she may be in some jeopardy here. We'll see what Trump ultimately decides to do. Um, I personally think that, you know, the American public is entitled to know what she did and when she did it. And I, I understand the sort of spirit of unity that comes about uh, once a, a president is installed and, and I think ultimately uh, it's going to be up to President-elect Trump what he decides to do with that. But, um, you know, there there is something to be said for dissuading other people from doing this down the road. And, and I, I don't know that uh, enough has been fleshed out yet to make that happen. I, I know that this isn't possible to sort of prove definitively one way or the other. But in your estimation, you think the email scandal cost Hillary the election? I absolutely do. I think not not the emails themselves, but the glimpse into her character that that they provided the glimpse into her sort of um as i said earlier uh, let them eat cake attitude it was really one set of rules for me one set of rules for you and that just doesn't fly anymore sean bigley is a federal security clearance attorney he's a partner at bigley ronish uh, and he is also somebody who writes for foxnews.com check out his latest piece there and uh sean are you on twitter i sure am smb underscore jd there you go. Sean, great to have you. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Buck. we got to go into a break, Team Buck, which I know is a bummer, but the exciting news is we'll be back right after it. Stay with me. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Megan in Michigan. Welcome to the Freedom Hut, Megan. Good to have you. Megan, um, Michigan? So I, hey. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, hey. thanks for having me. 
Thank you. So, look, getting back to the protest, if I can, for a second, um, I I just have a little bit of a different perspective on this, um, or maybe wanted to offer a different perspective to everybody. Um, if you guys remember back in 2008 and 2012 when Obama was running and then when he was elected, the things that he said during the campaign, um, I'm going to bring an, an, they bring a knife, I'm going to bring a gun, um, I'm going to punish my enemies, uh, like um, that kind of rhetoric that he used that was so divisive and scary to us. And then his associates with Reverend Wright and Bill Ayers and on and on, these scary people to us. And then he said he was going to fundamentally transform America, and we were all terrified. And his policy proposals that were shocking and horrifying to the right. Well, then when he got in office, we all started protesting with the Tea Party. And the left called us every name in the book. We were terrorists and teabaggers and... Blah, 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 blah. They, they mocked us when gun sales went up under Obama, and we were a bunch of hayseed hicks and so on and so on. Okay, yeah. Well, like, look, so the, all that's given. Well, I, mean, think I think your, your timeline maybe, is, just to be clear, a, a little should, off. I mean, it took a while for the Tea Party well, to get going. It wasn't, right, it wasn't the day I'm after Obama is, was elected. No, but when Obama was elected, there was a big reaction on the right, you know, that we were all horrified and scared, and his supporters. I don't think people were, were scared that Obama was going to put racist. people in. A, I don't think people's people were saying that Obama was going to put them in concentration camps. On no, the right any, no, that's okay. So no, I mean, we're, 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 you're, but, you're, but you're comparing is, things, but we're making comparisons that I think are a little off, Megan. That's it's important to try no, to be. Th- yeah, their their reaction though, if you look at the right's media, the the conservative media was telling people on the right. Obama's going to do all these horrible things. Obama has these horrible associations. Obama's policies are going to be all this really bad stuff, which was true, you know. But look at what the yeah, but that was on policy. That's that's different than what the kids that are running on the streets here. The kids that are running on the streets here are saying that they're afraid for their safety from President Trump. I mean, that that's a very different thing than saying I think President Trump is going to do a bad job, you know, managing the economy. That that those are no, I understand that, but okay. But right, but look what HuffPo has been putting at the bottom of their of every article that they have, saying that Trump is a bigoted, misogynist, xenophobe, blah yeah. blah blah. And it. at the bottom of every article, look at what like Salon has been publishing about him. And these are the sites that these kids look at for all their news. So I mean, uh, if you yeah, think about I'm, it, conservative I'm missing the, I'm missing the has, point, though, Megan. What's what? What is the point of what you're trying to tell me here? So yes, they're saying terrible <laughs> things about Trump, and people people sure. were. Not terrified of Obama, but people were negatively. Yeah, sure they were. That, sure they were. People I, I don't were know anybody who was. I, I did not. I did never find me the footage of thousands of people marching across the country the day after Obama's election with signs up okay, cursing him and the, saying that they were afraid that they were going to be put into camps because that's what I saw. Well, yesterday. These, I think these. I think these protests are somewhat astroturfed. Like all the all the signs that are pre-printed and everything. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's true. And that's kind of ginned up. Like, but but the reaction of people online, like on the Facebook, on on Facebook feeds and all that kind of stuff, um, like the normal, not normal people. That's kind of a weird way of putting it. But like people who aren't out there, um, with union protesting stuff going on, like just normal everyday leftists, is this whole 
is a similar reaction. Again, I, I need you to tell me what, what you're so are, are we comparing um, the reaction on the right and the left after the yes. two presidents were elected? Because I think that's yes. a false comparison. No, I think that is I, I think that is the similar um, reaction to what we had to Obama. Because it well, was the same media we, dis- we, we disagree on this, because, I mean, I, I remember when Obama was elected, there were huge parties all over D.C. and New York. Everybody was happy. There were no massive protests of people saying that we were going right. to be herded into camps and we're all going to die and nuclear war is imminent because Obama was elected. And that's what's actually right. happening on right, the right Well, yeah, but, but okay, that, so not- the media <laughs> on the left, on the, the, the left had the media say, magnifying all this and, and dwelling on on the protests and the and the tears and the um you know the overreaction and on the right when obama was elected it was mostly confined to the blogosphere and info wars and okay but those are wildly those are wildly different things info wars in the front page of the new york times are are very very different in terms of the stature that they're accorded well yeah one's mainstream and and one's I mean, the, so you're telling the, me that, that lunatics, when Obama group. got elected, were saying crazy things? I mean, this is not... Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah of course. But yeah, these but are lunatics. And but they're it's not lunatics the... that are saying crazy things about Trump. It's the most mainstream, biggest, most influential media outlets, uh, most influential pundits, most influential Hollywood star. They're the ones that are saying crazy stuff right now. You've got the, one of the lunatics. top writers in Hollywood saying that it was a victory for the Klan. That's insane. Yeah, but they're still lunatics. I mean, they're... Megan, I do appreciate your patience, and I always appreciate your call, but I think we're running over to the same ground here over and over. Thank you for calling in and, and, uh, and shield tie. Uh, Jeff in Utah, you're on the Buck Section Show. Brother Buck, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you, sir? Awesome. Just a quick happy birthday to all the Marines and a happy early Veterans Day to all those who have served past President's future. It's a great day to be an American, don't you think? A- absolutely. Happy birthday to the Marine Corps. What's on your mind, sir? Well, I'm just kind of curious. I've been studying human traits for a long, long time, and I kind of see everybody that's running around in the streets and all of these puppy petty eating wildflowers and stuff. They're all scared out of their brain, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the leadership of the liberal left. You know, if you go back and read Glenn's book, The uh, Liars, one of the first things they do is scary into thinking what they want you to think, and then they come around and say, oh, but we can fix it if you let us take this freedom away from you. Yeah, a lot of fear-mongering. A lot of fear-mongering left. Jeff, i got to say thank you, Utah. I'm having a very hard time understanding you and hearing you, but thank you for calling in. I got, I think, the gist of the question, or the gist of the statement, rather, which is uh, the the left, this is how they do things, they scare people, and Look, fear-mongering, I mean, fear-mongering is, is a huge component of demagoguery, and demagoguery is, in any, in any society where there's voting, going to be a temptation and, and a, a temptation for leadership and, and a problem that people have to face. Uh, but so to, to deal with, with, with Megan's uh, points before as well, I think here, this is a different le- – there's a different level of fear and hysteria after Trump's victory than anything I've ever seen after any president winning in my lifetime. I mean, this is a whole other – this is dogs and cats living living together, mass hysteria from Ghostbusters. I mean, this is like the end of the world for people, and they're really losing their minds over it. And they're they're expressing both a personal a, a fear of their personal safety, a lot of them, and claiming that they have some right to just sort of ignore the results of the election and maybe even be violent, as we heard in that other clip. So that's troubling. That's different. That's not the Tea Party. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, team. Uh, we got a lot more coming. 888-900-3393. Phones are open. Back in just a few minutes. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. It's hour three, second half of the hour, but let's do a buck brief. You are entering the Blaze Threat Ops Center. This is a secure space. All outside comms are down. Prepare to receive the buck brief. So what is Donald Trump going to be like as commander-in-chief? What are some of the primary issues he is going to face? We're joined now by Rebecca Heinrich. She's a fellow at the Hudson Institute specializing in nuclear deterrence, missile defense, and counterproliferation. She is at R.L. Heinrichs on Twitter. Rebecca, great to have you. How you been? Hi, Buck. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm all right. So you have always, by the way, been one of the few uh, that are from the national security world and have national security expertise, but do not have not taken a very dim view of Donald Trump's prospects as commander-in-chief. So... Just wanted to note that you have always said that you thought that he had some of the right instincts and, and would do a good job. Uh, one of the things that's come up, especially now with some of the crazy protests and such out there, is this issue that Donald Trump is going to want to use nukes. Why don't you just tackle this hyperbole for a second, then we'll get into some other issues. Yeah, I think, first of all, that's exactly what it is. It's hyperbole. Um, and the thing about Donald Trump that I've tried to explain to people throughout the course of the general election not to say that I, I don't understand the concerns that people have had about some of the things that he has said um, as it relates to national security, but what I've tried to encourage people to do is to remember two things. One, he's not a polished politician. So what I mean, everybody knows that, but that means he, he hasn't been around, um, you know, policy discussions. He hasn't been around, um, you know, think tank events, that sort of thing. So he sometimes will say something, and everybody out here, you know, in Washington, D.C., will will immediately assume that he means things that he doesn't mean. And then the second point is that you do have to sort of look for what I call just sort of like the Trump instincts that he's saying. So you don't really necessarily, um, you know, look to take him quite literally, try to understand what instinct he's actually conveying when he says things. So and I think that and, and my 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 take has been actually his instincts have been pretty good on national security um, in, in, in the general. And, and so on nukes, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things he said before nuclear weapons is, um, you know, that we need to have uh, the best. He believes that Russia is catching up with the United States, isn't investing in a nuclear arsenal. That's true. Um, and then there's been rumors that he has said he doesn't understand why we have nuclear weapons if we don't use them. Um, first of all, that's an unsubstantiated just comment he made. I've heard from people who brief him on this that that was never said. But um, but that's sort of where this idea is that he's just going to use nuclear weapons. Um, you know, half the country has put their trust in him for good reason. They don't want a nuclear war. Donald Trump doesn't want a nuclear war. Um, he wants to deter a nuclear war. He sort of has run a campaign on wanting to avoid war and conflict and actually have less of it. Um, and so, you know, I think that I think that people are going to be pleasantly surprised when they see him actually sort of um, filling out the commander in chief position. Um, but but yes, yeah, so much of this is just um, 
it's just hyperbole and, and unfound fear, and it's really too bad. You have a piece up on RealClearDefense.com, the perils of U.S. missile defense. We know North Korea has tested its fifth nuclear weapon recently. Missile defense is going to be something that Donald Trump seems to uh, is going to have to face uh, pretty directly. It's going to be more of an issue, I think, than a lot of people realize. Tell us a bit about where that stands right now and what some of the challenges are as you foresee it. Sure. So I think moving in the next couple of months, next couple of years, uh, you know, president-elect and then President Donald Trump is going to be dealing with what do you do about a nuclear-armed North Korea. Its leader is um, unpredictable. We don't, we're not quite sure what it is that he wants, and we do know that he wants a nuclear missile that can reach the United States, if not to necessarily launch one at us, definitely to coerce us with one, um, and under the threat of using one, of course. And so the United States is going to have to figure out what are we going to do about a, 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 a North Korea that has a nuclear weapon that can reach the United States, especially considering one of the pressure points you have to use in order to, to put um, pressure on North Korea is China. But Donald Trump has run a campaign on trying to um, you know, deal with China. So it's, it's going to be bumpy here for Americans, I think, especially um, as, it, as it relates to North Korea. So we need missile defense. We need the ability to protect our country from an incoming nuclear uh, a missile from North Korea. Um, and so you have to have missile defense. We, we do have some. We've got some um, ground-based interceptors. That's what's going to be flying out of the ground and intercepting a, a missile that's headed our way. I recently went up to Alaska, and they had me crawling in one of those missile silos, um, which was an interesting feeling since it was just weeks after North Korea had, had tested a missile, and it was actually only a couple weeks before they tested another one. Um, but those missile fields are unfinished. Um, so we need to finish those missile fields. We need to get more um, missile interceptors there. Those are the bullets that we would use to hit incoming missiles. And so I think the Trump administration is going to focus on that because, again, that's not an offensive thing. We're not going in and we're not going into another country. That's something that we can do proactively that will protect Americans um, and will only further uh, U.S. interests. So I, I do think it's going to cost them money, but I, I do foresee a Trump administration focusing on that. Even taking those kinds of moves, as you point out, as you point out, defensive in measure, isn't there the possibility of rankling Russia a bit? And how do you think Russia's position on our missile defense may factor into and complicate some of the postures that that Trump might want to take uh, in order to defend us from either North Korean or or any other rogue state's nuclear program? It's an it's an excellent question, Buck. We there are different. Um, elements of our missile defense system that upset Russia more or less. Um, the one that I'm talking about to build out on our own um, soil um, in the United States, up in Alaska and then in California, but primarily in Alaska and then possibly a third site somewhere in the Northeast. Um, all, all of that is there to, to just protect us from a North Korean or an Iranian ballistic missile. We don't have nearly the capability to defend against Russia or China. Their are offensive missiles. There's just too many and they're too sophisticated um, for, for this particular missile system I'm talking about. But, but Russia has objected to U.S. missile defense deployments in Eastern Europe. China has objected to missile defense deployments, of course, in South Korea um, and also in Japan. So um, he, he will face that. Now, Russia is one of those things that, you know, people are not quite sure how, um, how President Trump will respond. Um, some believe that he is much more friendly to Vladimir Putin um, than, than previous American presidents would have been. 
Um, I, I think that I'm not quite there yet. I actually think that President Trump will not want to be um, humiliated. He's not going to want to see another um, uh, country undermined or harm or threaten U.S. interests. And so I think once he starts to get into this role and figures out that the Russians will oppose things that are clearly not meant to threaten Russia and are only there for U.S. interests, I foresee a President Trump actually moving forward with defending U.S. interests and protecting the United States. And he might be the guy to really handle a guy like Vladimir Putin in a way that, um, you know, President Obama was simply just unwilling and, 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 and not to be disrespectful to the president, but just didn't really have the fortitude, I think, to stand up to a guy like Putin. And I think President Trump might be able to do that. Rebecca Heinrichs is a fellow at the Hudson Institute specializing in nuclear deterrence, missile defense, and counterproliferation. You can learn more about what she does at Hudson.org. Rebecca, always great to have you. Thank you for calling in today. Thanks so much. Team, one more break, one more segment. It's coming up. Stay with me. Beck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Sexton show. Uh, team, there's some great stuff out there. I know today is is make fun of whiny liberals day on the Buck Sexton show. Um, it might extend into some of tomorrow too because uh, the tears, so many tears from people that should know better and should be more mature about this, uh, and many who obviously don't and 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 shouldn't or won't or whatever. Uh, this guy, there's one guy though. Uh, oh man, oh it's you could say this is an epic progressive meltdown it's phenomenal uh i don't know what channel this was initially on but this guy is speaking to a a black uh a black reporter and he just goes into this you have to hear it uh just 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 play it i need hillary to stand up right now and walk in and sue the united states of america and say back when black people couldn't right they couldn't vote right how many years ago your vote would have been one third guess what today it still is today right now it still is so you don't feel like this was a fair election because it looks like donald trump won fair and square how did he win fair and square hillary had more votes more human beings voted for hillary this isn't fair we didn't get one vote you didn't get a vote it's just like back in the day when your vote was one third the electoral college you're somebody who wants to blow that up you want to get rid of electoral college just count the votes it's ridiculous hillary you're a lawyer walk in go to the supreme court i believe in you hillary i've been to rwanda i've been to your hospital in rwanda i've seen all the good you've done i believe in you women need you minorities need you i need you chicago needs you we all need you this country needs you to stand up and walk into the supreme court and say one vote (laughs) equals one vote what's wrong with that what's the debate (laughs) i really like that i really like this guy i really like this guy he is he is unhinged He's awesome. Um, let's just like you know we're gonna work through these with me for a minute. It's gonna be fun. Uh, Hillary needs to sue America. I, I what does that mean? Uh, how, how does one sue America? Uh, you can bring suit in federal court, but I mean, what's she gonna do? She's gonna sue because she lost the election. Not even Hillary thinks that there's a way, a sort of legalistic trick that could get her. 
back into the Oval Office at this point. It's over, man. It's done. Uh, it's like the last, you know, it's like the last episode of Friends. It's just we got to move on, everybody. Uh, he mentioned the vote is one third. I I don't understand. I think he's referring because he's speaking to a black reporter, and I think he said to him like, you know, your vote. Uh, I think he's referring to the three fifths compromise in the Constitution, which had to do with the apportionment of representatives for southern for southern uh, southern slaveholding states. Not actually three fifths of a of a vote because slaves couldn't vote, and it was three fifths. It wasn't one third. So I don't know if he's just confused on the math or the history. And then he also said it still is one third, which no, not true. Um, we did just have a black president for eight years, too. I don't really sometimes I understand what they're trying to say and they're just wrong. This guy is just like on another planet. I don't really know what he's trying to get at necessarily. Then we get into the I mean, but these are these are things you're hearing from from people on the left. These are stories uh, that you're going to hear from people. Um, Hillary has more votes, the popular vote thing. This was true with Al Gore as well in 2000. It's not how the system works. Uh, that's sorry. You know, there's a lot of ways you could change the rules that would give you a different outcome, but that's not how our system works. If we're going to get rid of the electoral college and we're going to get rid of, uh, the whole notion of, uh, states having representatives and then, then go and, and the president is chosen based upon the vote in each individual states and the tallies therein. Uh, we should just get rid of states altogether because what's the point? You know, why why have states if if they're not if they don't matter? We should just have a federal government, right? One super government that gets to determine all of this stuff. But we have a system in place for a reason. But this guy thinks he's got a better idea. Okay, uh, just count the votes. You're a lawyer. Go to the Supreme Court. Also, it doesn't really work that way. You don't just get to go to the Supreme Court. I think this is cute, though. This guy thinks you just, like, walk into the Supreme Court. And you're like, hey, what's up, Ginsburg? High five. Like, let's talk it out. It's not how it works. Uh, usually you have to have a whole process of making a case making its way through the courts. And the Supreme Court then decides, based upon lower court decisions, whether it will take up this issue or not. Uh, you, you, but you don't get to just barge in, I'm pretty sure. My understanding is, you know, Justice Thomas isn't sitting there like, oh, oh, really? You want to discuss this? Let's do it. Um, but that's cute. Uh, I've been to your hospital in Rwanda. I don't really I guess he's referring to a Clinton Foundation initiative of some kind. But what that has to do with anything really is, okay, you know, the Clinton Foundation has done some charity work. It was really a front. You know, this is sort of the Clinton Foundation's charity work for me. is It's kind of like when you walk into uh, a, a grocery store somewhere and they sell groceries, but also in the back, they're like running a huge drug smuggling operation and they're using, you know, empty coffee cans or something to smuggle in cocaine yeah they're selling groceries sure but that's not the purpose of it the part the purpose of the clinton foundation is not charity and it's not helping people and we're gonna I, i'm so excited to get more information in about this over time as you see the donations the clinton foundation plummet and you see also the value of a clinton speech plummet those of us who have been saying all along that she was wildly corrupt will just be proven right we've already been proven right but i mean it'll be even more apparent at that point um but yeah this guy was this guy was a, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of amazing and uh this is sort of the attitude you know the, the popular vote doesn't matter but now it should matter uh that that there's something something wrong has happened here that there's been some failure in the system uh the 
the Looney Tune stuff that we see happening on the streets across the country and the way people are reacting to this, it just makes the left look really bad, um, which is probably, I mean, someone like me thinks that's a good thing. But this guy's been one of the better, one of the better sound bites I've heard of somebody just, just going off historical inaccuracy, non sequitur, uh, self-righteous nonsense. Uh, it was great, man. It was, he packed a lot into one, one little segment there, one little sound bite. So nice work, crazy man. Uh, so that's going to be the show for today, really. Please do download it. Uh, it should be available at theblaze.com slash bucksexton on soundcloud.com and on iTunes. If you can subscribe on iTunes, that would be great. Uh, I will be with you tomorrow, obviously, 12 Eastern, as always, Shields High here in New York City. Um, that's kind of it. We're going to have some fun tomorrow, Freestyle Friday. Election's over. Moving on to lots of topics now. We can talk about all kinds of stuff. It's going to be fun. No more bickering over polls and all that nonsense. Have a good rest of the day, team. An honor, as always. Until tomorrow, Shields High. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.